Well, you guys ready to hear God's word today? We're in the middle of this series called Family Matters, and here's what we're doing. We're uh, really playing on this phrase in, in two ways. Number one, we're really emphasizing the fact that families do matter, right? The fact that God ordained the family before he did the church. It's, it's, he instituted, instituted the family first and foremost in the book of Genesis right from the get-go. And so the family, how I many you know the family is very important to God? That he wants the family to succeed. Amen? Then number two, family matters. And so there, there are things that, that concern us considering relationships and considering the family. Issues that we need, to, we need advice on, we need wisdom about. And that's the other part of this where we've been dealing with some of those issues and just laying out for us what God's word says. How many know we always go back to what God's word says? Because how many know he's the final authority on everything? And so we, we look to God's word for wisdom for families, for relationships. And so week one, Amber did this fantastic job of talking about dysfunction. How many know we, we, we all have some dysfunction, right? But the good thing is Christ came to redeem that, right? He came to, to set us free from those things, to move past those things into freedom, into full life. So that was week one. Week two, last week, we talked about the idea of dating. And we answered some questions, why date? You guys remember the answer? For us to find our, our companion for life. That was what the idea is of dating. Not to just, you know, to be able to go at it with as many people as possible. No, the idea is, let's find that person we're going to spend the rest of our lives with. And we talked about how that it's important that we, we are very choosy. You guys remember the two criteria? Character and chemistry. Those two are really important. We dove into that and how important it is to use that. And then the, the, I think the most important thing is, is for us to realize that our own personal journey with Christ is really important. Amen? That you, when you get married or you get into a relationship, you don't give up who you are, so to speak. You're still pursuing God as in a personal relationship. But now you're locking arms with somebody of like values and like-mindedness. And what's happening? You're going the same direction together. You're pursuing God together. Amen? And so that was what last week was about. So today, we're going to talk about marriage. All right? And so what does God's word say about marriage? Can we look into God's word and find what he says about marriage? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, like I said a few minutes ago, the, very, the first two chapters in the Bible deal with it. And so I wanna, that's where I want to start. But here's, again, here's the thing I want to mention to you. It's, it's real important that we follow God's word, not what the culture says. All right? Now, I know in, in a situation like this, there's some, there's some hot topics in our world today, and some of them deal with gender, and some of them deal with, with you know, those things. And, and here's what I'll say. Uh, in the, the most loving pastoral way I can, I've got to stay true to God's word. Are you all with me? And, and how many know God loves everybody? The Bible says God so loved the world. So there's love for, for you in this room today. There's room for you, you guys are watching online. But the truth is when God talks about marriage, there's a lot of clarity. We're the ones who get it mixed up. We're the ones who kind of confuse it, right? So I want, that's where I want to start. And I you guys understand the heart behind this message today is, is I'm coming from, to you from as a pastor who loves you. And I want your best interest. Amen? So let's read Genesis chapter 1. 
And here's what it says. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Watch this. What does it say? Male and... So is that clear? So here's the problem. God's word is very clear. Male, female. The problem is the enemy has tried to confuse identity and, and confuse us. And here's what it does. It robs us. If we go that direction, it robs us of the true person that God's created us to be and the fulfillment that he wants us to have in life when we don't do it his way. Are y'all with me so far? And then it says in verse 28, this is real important for us to understand. God blessed them and said to them, do what? Be fruitful and increase in number. What is he saying? Procreate. All right, we're going to talk about that in just a second, okay? Fill the earth and subdue it. Now, notice that. What is he saying? Procreation was meant to fill the earth with people, right? With God's people. And here's the thing. And he gave, he gave us uh, authority. Is that right? So, so you're not just, um, you're not something that, that was a, like an amoeba and then you evolved into something. No, God created you as a special creation in his image. That's real important for identity's sake and for your purpose. And so what else does he say? He said, subdue it. In other words, have dominion, have authority. You realize God's given you delegated authority on this planet. You have an opportunity. Another word to say it is we steward. We take care of what God's created. That's a heavy responsibility, isn't it? And each of us has that responsibility as special creations of God to, to steward everything that he owns. Amen. Are y'all with me so far? And then we jump over to, to chapter 2, verse 24, and here's where we get some clarity on this marriage relationship. Look at this is what it says. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So God clearly defines marriage in this way. One man, one woman. Okay? Now, again, society would say some other things, right? That same-sex marriage is okay. But I don't see any indication in Scripture. If you look at it, you can go look at it. Genesis to Revelation, there's no indication that God has ordained any other marriage other than one man and one woman. Okay? This is clear in Scripture. Now, folks, I didn't say it. He did. And it's my opportunity. It's my, it's my job as a preacher of the gospel to stay true to what God's word says. But I'm doing, I want you to understand, I'm doing this in love because I care about your, your destiny. I care about where God wants to take you, amen? And so does he. So given that, we've clarified marriage is one man, one woman, according to scripture, then we have to go, we just continue in and say, look, when we enter into marriage or relationship, we're participating in an institution that he designed. How I many you know marriage was his idea? And so if somebody designed something, like let's say, uh, anybody have a Tesla in here or, or some kind of car like that? Electric car? How many of you have a Tesla owner? No Tesla owners? Any Ford owners? So if you had a question 
about a Ford truck, where are you going to go? You going to go to Tesla? Where are you going? You're going to Ford. Why? Because the people who designed Ford, they know they have the blueprint. They know how it works. They know the systems that make the, the truck work. They know best. So here's the analogy. God created marriage and instituted, so where do we go? We go to him. Why? Because he knows best. So if you want a great marriage, if you want a marriage that's fully alive in Christ, where do you go? To him and specifically to his word. And so if you're looking for this, what is marriage for? What is it about? We need to understand the one who made it knows best about it. Is that good? Here's another thing. We've already seen why God created, one of the reasons why God created marriage. For what? Procreate for babies. I heard it. Yeah. So procreation, and, and listen, I, here's what I believe. I believe sex, oh boy, there's that word again. Sex inside of marriage is, it's really crucial to a healthy marriage. Amen? For, not just for procreation to fill the earth, but also for enjoyment. God created it for husband and wife to enjoy the relationship. Is that right? Amen. Come on, somebody. So here's the, here's the problem. The enemy always counterfeits, doesn't he? He always takes what God created that was good and messes it up. That's his M.O. And so what he's done is he's, he's made it, first of all, he's made it taboo in many people's eyes. And so because it was taboo for so long, people were afraid to talk about it in church. How many, how many sermons have you heard on sex in your lifetime in, in church, if you've been in church your whole life? Probably not very many, right? Because it was so taboo. Who, who do you think's behind that? It wasn't God. Because God instituted it. He created it. And so here's the thing. Anytime you step outside of God's plan or God's ordained covenant of marriage in, in, in terms of sex, you're always missing the mark. It's called sin. We have to call it what it is, right? And so adultery... Ooh, pornography, those are all means of stepping outside of the marriage boundary and the covenant. And what it does, it spells destruction for the marriage. Now, am I saying that every marriage that has that, something like that going on is going to end? It doesn't have to be that way. There's, there's always grace, right? There's always mercy and forgiveness. The problem is, are you willing to do what it takes to make sure that, that those boundaries are clear and they're kept? And so, if you have stepped outside of that, there's forgiveness, there's grace. But then there needs to be accountability. You can't keep doing it over and over again and saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, which is, you know, God's forgiveness is there all the time. But you, at some point, there's got to be some light that's shined upon the problem, and there's a, there's a healing that takes place so freedom can happen, so the marriage can flourish. Are you with me? So, gentlemen, let me say, or women too, create the boundary. If, if it's your problem, have somebody lock your phone or your computer. Get an accountability partner, somebody that you can share with. Now, let me warn you against that. Don't go sharing 
males with females. The person that's not your husband or wife, right? So here's the thing. If you're going to share an accountability, let it be male, male, female, female. Because I've seen it happen way too often where there's, they get too close and then what happens? So I'll give you an example. When I, in, back in the early 2000s, I was on the staff at a church in Statesboro, Georgia. And our Christian education pastor and our youth pastor's wife started getting too close. Too familiar. Spending too much time together. Guess what happened? A full-blown affair. Tore the hearts out of that congregation because both those families were loved so much by that church. But we, we, you can ask Lori. It was almost like somebody died when, because both families, after that happened, they both had to leave. They both, their, their marriages were destroyed. Why? Because male and female got too familiar. So I'm just, as a pastor, I'm telling you to find accountability. But I'm also warning you to make sure it's male with male and female with female. Does that help anybody today? I think I've, I've gone long enough on that. But I just want to make sure you understand. Yes, the, the idea of sex is healthy inside the context of marriage. It is a, one of the reasons why you are married. But it's not the only reason. And it's also not the most important reason. Guys, I hate to tell you, it's not the most important reason you're married. Amen? So what I want to do is I want to dive into uh, this idea that that God has created the marriage as a way of, of really a picture of how God feels about his church. Amen? So when you think about this, that you just think about the differences. Like God created male and female. We know that, that Adam, he, he created Adam and then he took the rib and created Eve. And there's some differences. Amen? Isn't there differences between male and female? Just a tad. Um, obviously, physically, there's differences, but also emotionally and spiritually, right? You know, sometimes, guys, you just don't understand uh, what, what in the world you did. Or wives, you're like, did he really do that? Did he really make that decision? What was he thinking? Amen? So we're different. But you know what? It's okay. It's good that we're different. Amen? It's like the, the, the two differences complement each other. And that's the beauty of marriage is that God, uh, the Bible says that God created a helper for man. Now, I know that sometimes you can look on that as a negative thing. But listen, folks, uh, wives, your, your man needs help. Doesn't he? He needs help. Just ask Lori. She'll tell you. Over and over again. Yeah, he needs help. Man. And then in, in the first Peter, Peter says it this way, that we are, we're, as a marriage, we're fellow heirs of the grace of life. In other words, our marriage is a picture of the grace of God. Isn't that great to know? That our lives can be a witness and our marriages can be a witness of grace. That's beautiful, isn't it? And that's what this, that's how God designed this. That's how, what God had in mind for us to complement each other, to be designed in such a way that we can gain joy from each other in a marriage. Another way of saying it is, he designed it for delight. Now, I get it. Some of you are saying, Pastor, my marriage has never been delightful. You know what? I'm sorry. Because it can be. It can be 
if we'll do it his way. If we'll lean in to what God's word says about marriage, it can be delightful. Even though there are times we want to rip each other's heads off, overall, it can be delightful. Amen. And I think that's what today's about. Um, in the book of Ephesians, Paul really paints this clear picture of the marriage covenant and, and really how it's, it's related to Christ and his church. It's a beautiful picture if you've ever read it. We're going to read it here in a second. But I want you to, to lean into this idea that your marriage can be a reflection of God's relationship with his church, Christ's relationship with the church, okay? And this is how we want to look at it. So go with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and let's read this together. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives must submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Are y'all seeing this picture? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, now who's he quoting here? He's quoting Genesis 2.24, right? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Is he trying to get a point across? So here's the, here's the analogy, folks. Our marriages, if we do them God's way, can be a reflection and a witness to the world of Christ's love for his church. Isn't that beautiful? So here's what I want to do. I'm going to kind of break this down and talk to you about um, the roles that we play as husband and wife. So here's the first thing I want to just mention to you. Marriage is not just designed by God. It is a display of something about God, right? We've seen it. We see his love for us. We see that, that love is a metaphor. This marriage covenant is a metaphor of, of a symbol of something greater, the union of Christ and his church, right? As we step into, into this marriage and we do it his way, we're living this picture of a beautiful picture of God's love. Are you glad for his love for humanity? Are you glad that he said uh, he loves the world so much that he gave his only son? So to... So the love a husband has for his wife displays to the world Christ's love for the church. The love of a wife for her husband communicates to the world how people of God respond to Jesus. So what does this look like, folks? So let's talk about that for a second. So number two, God has established the husband as the leader of the home and asks the wife to submit to that leadership. Now, I understand it right away. That word submit is not a very popular word, is it? As a matter of fact, 
for many of us, it kind of elicits these, these negative feelings. Oh, I have to submit? No way. But here's what we, we need. We need to clearly define what we're talking about here, what Paul's talking about. Here's what he's not saying. Wives, he's not telling you, uh, he's not telling you that you have to be your husband's servant and slave. Amen, ladies. He's not telling you that you have to give up your intellect and your personality and that you can't have a, a say or, or a, a speak into the marriage. Is that, is that right? It's not about subjugation. It's not about being a slave or squelching your personality. Here's what it is. It's not those things, but here's what it is. It's an inclination that you understand and recognize. Everybody say recognize. You recognize God's organization of the marriage and that the, God has given the husband the responsibility of leading the home. Amen. That's what we're talking about. Now, it's a heavy responsibility that he's given the husband. And so what's your response to this? So if a husband is leading well, if he has taken that responsibility to heart, and he is doing his very best to lead. Wives, what's your response? You affirm it. You recognize that God's given him that role. Now, as I said, it's not for him to, to put his thumb on you and to order you around. That's not what it is. Because here's the thing. I've been studying leadership for a while now. And when I understand what leadership really is, it gives me a clear picture of what husbands should do. So leadership is not micromanagement, right? Anybody work in the, in the, the, the realm where your boss was a micromanager? How'd it feel? You felt controlled, didn't you? It's not a very pleasant experience. Leadership is also not about killing dreams or dashing people's dreams. Actually, it's the opposite. A leader looks at people individually and says, you know what, there's some giftings, there's some, some purpose in that person, and I want to help them, I want to help them succeed. That's what a leader does. They look into the person's life, see their special giftings, see the personality, see their passions, hear their dreams, which means there's some listening that's got to go on, right? So good leaders are good communicators. In that, that they listen well. Right? Y'all with me so far? But also, they're able to express their own feelings and articulate what's going on inside of them, what their vision and passions are. And so, if we, if we relate this to husbands being the leaders, husbands, if you believe in your wife, if you see potential in her, you see that she's, a, she's forming the image of God, she's somebody that God loves dearly, and, and God has a plan, you're going to help make that plan become a reality. Is that beautiful or what? And so what I'm going to do is, we say it around here all the time, we invest in what we value. So what, what is it? I invest, I, I value my wife, I value what God has, the plan he has for her, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything in my power to help her live a full life in Christ. Does that help you see the man's role as a leader? The responsibility that God's given him to lead? So again, if your husband is doing that, 
What's your response, wives? If you see your husband initiating those kind of behaviors, you don't have any problem submitting, do you? Because remember, submission, all it is is recognizing the role. It has nothing to do with your value or your worth. It's just simply God said, here's how the family, the marriage will be structured. It's an organizational thing. It's less about the identity and more about the structure. Y'all follow me? And so God has given us that organizational structure. The hus- Somebody has to lead. Right? God's given that responsibility to the husband. And if we do it well... It's an opportunity for us, you wives, to celebrate that. Now, I get it. Some of you are like, my husband's never initiated a thing in his life. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe we pray for him. And this is, a, this is a challenge to husbands. If, your wife, if you're sitting there doing a soul search and you, you would think your wife would say that about you, you've got some work to do. I've got some work to do. You know, here's the truth. Now, so you guys know, uh, most of you know my wife, Lori, right? Plays the piano, this beautiful blonde that plays the piano every week. She's, the, she's a, a person who's a go-getter. She's like the Energizer Bunny. So here's the truth. If I fail to initiate and I fail to step up and lead our home, what is she going to do? She's going to feel the responsibility to fill that void. And can I tell you, she has at times. It's not her fault. Whose responsibility is it? It's mine. So if I was more, took more initiative, I'm telling you, folks, when I was studying this message, it convicted me so much. If I would step up and take more initiative, she wouldn't feel, have to feel that responsibility to fill that void. Are you with me? So what I've got to do is say, you know what, I, at least if I, even if I fall flat on my face trying, I've got to try. And then women, when you see the efforts, when you see them initiating, when you see them trying to step up and lead instead of squashing it and, and maybe publicly humiliating, no, you know what, let's affirm the fact that at least they're trying. Is this helping anybody today? If we just capture this picture of what Christ wants for his, for the family, for marriage. It'll work. Now, husbands, I talked about that responsibility. Wives, affirm it. Affirm his leadership role. Every time he has, he's trying to celebrate what he's doing, don't publicly humiliate him, but, sh- but give him all of the he needs. <laughs> Amen? So, husbands... What's your role? He's, he's giving you the responsibility of loving your wife like he loved the church. Say what? Can I give you a picture of what that looks like? So here's the thing. Christ, God incarnate, God in the flesh, made a decision. What did he do? He didn't wait. He didn't sit back and wait. What did he do? He initiated. He was proactive. He stepped out of heaven. Y'all with me? Clothed himself in flesh. Lived a sinless life. Went to the cross. 
hung there in agony and died and walked out of the tomb. Why? 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 Because he loved his church. He loved the people of God. He sacrificed his very life to show and demonstrate his love for his body, the church. Are you with me today? And so what is he saying? Husbands, that's your attitude. Sacrifice for your wife. Initiate the relationship. Man, that's a heavy responsibility. And here's the thing. It's not conditional either, is it? Husbands, you say, but you don't know my wife. She's got some, she has more bad days than good ones. Did that stop Christ? Folks, in case you hadn't noticed, the Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died. We were having a bunch of worse days, and he still initiated the relationship. He was still willing to go to the cross. And so what's the example? It doesn't matter how your wife's acting, men, husbands. You got you to gotta love her the way Christ loved her. You got to sacrifice for her. Woo. That's helpful, isn't it? Come on. The beauty is, men, you're not alone in this. You have the help, help of the Holy Spirit. Because here's what the Holy Spirit does. He produces in you love. Is it easy to, women, is it easy to, to, to follow somebody who loves? Is it easy to, to follow somebody who has patience? Are y'all with me so far? Is it, is it easy to follow somebody who's good or gentle or all those things that the, fruit, that the Holy Spirit produces? Listen, folks, if the Holy Spirit helps us, our relationships can flourish. So men, that's what you're drawing on. You're drawing on the help of the Holy Spirit to lead your families the way Christ led the church. And so what happens is, as you do that, as you initiate and you sacrifice, your wife, the wife responds to that leadership the same way the church responds to what Christ did. The Bible says that we love God. Why? Because he first loved us. So our love for God is not, it's just a response. And that's the same way. As, you're, as you notice, wives, if you notice your husband loving you and sacrificing for you, what's your response? You submit. You love him back. What a beautiful picture of Christ and his church. Amen. The great joy of marriage is that the love that we have, husband and wife, serves as an invitation to others, people who are outside the faith, to experience this love of God that's beyond measure. Amen. That's the, that's the opportunity. And so when we understand that we're safe in the arms of the one who loved us, who created us, we can walk fully into these relationships, we can love like Christ loved, we can sacrifice like Christ sacrificed, we can respond to his love. That way, then our marriages will flourish. Amen. Number four, marriage is a team. 
It's a partnership, isn't it? And here's the thing. Like we said, we've, all, we've been saying the whole time. So if I'm headed this direction toward Christ, and my spouse is too, there's a common mission, isn't there? As a marriage covenant, as a team, as a union together, you're following Christ's vision and mission on the earth. And that's what makes this so beautiful. Because the strongest marriages are those in which the husband and wife are truly friends. Right? And as friends, you grasp arms. You lock arms. You, you run together after a common mission. What's that mission? To see as many people come to faith in Christ. To build Christ's church. Amen? And so your marriage becomes a missional. Have you ever thought of it in those terms? That your marriage actually can be a witness to people who are outside the faith. Because what they're going to see is, man, he's loving her sacrificially. He's, he's caring for her. He's, he's helping her fulfill her God-given vision. She's responding to that. She's encouraging him. She's believing in him. And, that's a, and they're like, can we give something like that? You know, they're asking the question, is it possible for me to have a marriage like that? And the answer is yes. And here's the reason. And so what it does, it opens the door wide open for you to tell the reason why. That Christ is the one who's made the difference in your marriage. That his love for you, his death on the cross, has made it possible for our marriages to flourish. That's good preaching, Pastor. Yeah. So number five. Your marriage is safest when it's on mission. Remember, it's a picture of Christ's love for the church. It's a, a picture of our pursuit of Christ's purposes on the earth. Our marriages are missional. And I'll say this as we close, and we're, as I'll, I'll bring you some things to respond here. To the degree that we take up the values of loving one another while we pursue his vision of extending the fame of Jesus across the world for the good of all people, we will have strong, successful marriages. Can I get an amen to that today? So this whole message is really about awareness. It's about responding or recognizing this reality. Now, so here's the thing. Whenever you recognize something, has it always been pretty true? Has it always been true? No, there's a truth that sometimes we don't have an awareness of. And then when the awareness comes, there's an opportunity to change. Is that right? So some of you, maybe you haven't thought in terms of your marriage being a mission, a, a, an example, a witness to others about the love of Christ. So now you have the awareness. Is that right? So here's, here's the idea. So think about this. I'll give you an example. So when we're aware of something, we recognize something, it really leads to a difference in behavior. But then there's the opposite where we can walk blind, right? Or we don't recognize. So here, here's a simple example. So let's say you're on your phone while you're driving. Nobody ever in this room ever does that, right? And you're coming up to a red light, but you're so focused on your phone that you don't recognize the red light. What happens if you go through that intersection? Hopefully, nobody's there coming through, right? But if they are, what's, what's the problem? You're going to have a crash. 
Somebody's getting hurt. What's the problem? The problem is a recognition problem. If you weren't on the phone and you were paying attention, you wouldn't run the red light and you wouldn't have the crash. Is that right? So for us, it's, okay, there's a recognition of what God's word says about marriage. And if we don't recognize and have an awareness of it and we keep going the way we're going, what's going to happen? And our marriages will continue to fail. So this message is about recognition, about awareness. And once you have awareness, then there's, there's a plea. Are you with me? A plea to change something. Amen. To have something change so you don't keep going the same direction. You don't keep having the same crashes and the same mess-ups. Are you with me? So here's your response. Number one, recognize that God ordained marriage between one man and one woman. Okay, that's biblical. Number two, recognize that the marriage relationship is a picture of God's love for us and our response to that love. That's beautiful. Number three, recognize that God created roles in the family. He created the husband to lead. Number four, recognize that God asked the wife to submit to the husband's leadership. Number five, recognize that the husband has the heavy responsibility of loving his wife the way Christ loved the church. And then lastly, recognize that as a team, if both the husband and the wife work together for a common vision and mission, the marriage can flourish, can be fully alive. Thanks for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this time to greatly impact your life. But it doesn't have to end here. There are actually two ways that you can take this into the rest of your week with you. First, you can share. Share in the comments what God spoke to you during this message, and then press the share button so you can send this to a friend who could use the encouragement. Secondly, get connected, either by pressing the subscribe button or joining our Facebook group. We pray that you walk in the full life you were created for. We'll see you next week.